Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Curzon Podcast, our first of 2018. This week we'll be discussing Martin McDonough's Golden Globe winning drama, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. And as well as that, we'll also be speaking to one of the film's stars, Clark Peters. I'm Sam Howlett, and while there are three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, there are three podcasters inside Soho, London. As this week I'm joined by Ryan Hewitt. Hello. <laughs> and making her second podcast appearance, <laughs> yeah. Kelly Powell. Hello. Hello, Kelly. Hi. Happy New Year, guys. Yeah. Happy New Year yeah. to you, Sam. And, uh, and what have you been watching? What films have you been watching? Uh, you get to pick a highlight from the past week or a so. A highlight from the past week. God, I've forgotten what I've watched. Oh, actually, I watched In Bruges the other day. Okay. For the first time, oh. yeah, for, in prep for this. Yeah. And also because I know I should have seen the film many yeah. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but that's definitely a highlight. Um, it was excellent, excellent. Cool. Yeah. Um, Ryan, how about yourself? What have you been uh, filling your time with? So, I finally got round to watching Call Me By Your Name on oh. Friday. I was completely late to the game. And I cannot explain yeah. why this happened. <laughs> but I made it. I watched it. I thought, as everyone has, it is an absolutely marvellous film. And there is a particular moment. I won't spoil it. I'm sure everybody has seen this. But there's just this moment in the train station. Does that oh, ring yeah. up? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My yeah. heart, I mean, man. Oh, I can't get it out of my head. There was a, that was a moment where I thought, I've been this guy. I've been this really? person. Really? Wow. Oh, wow. Not literally at a train station. Yeah. But I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, everything yeah, yeah. that's you happening here. Yeah. I thought, yes, this film is, it really is one of the best films of the last 12 months. Yeah. If oh, not yeah. the best film. Why not? I, yeah. I think it's my favourite from last year. Yeah. 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 Definitely up there. People are still discovering it as well, like yourself. Like, yeah. you know, like every, every, every day I hear mm. someone else saying, oh, I finally got around to seeing it and I loved it. Yeah. It's still on people's minds, even though it's been out for months now. It's got, it's got legs. And uh, well, it's awards season at the moment, isn't it? It didn't perform too well at the Golden Globes of the weekend, but I mean, it's being nominated. Uh, well, the BAFTAs came out and it's yeah. got quite a few nominations. It's good. Yeah. So I think it's still going to push people to see it. I yeah. hope so. It's really nice to see that it's at least getting nominations. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen with actually winning, but yeah, it's just nice to see it up there in the lists. Yeah. Mm. I've been watching Godless on Netflix, ah. which is incredible. So if you don't know, Godless is a seven-part Western TV show. Each part is about an hour and 15 minutes, so it's almost like a film in itself, each episode. So it's got a real epic scope. If you don't like Westerns, a lot of people don't, don't worry, this is quite a different one, I think, because it's very much about the female perspective. So it's set in a town where the majority of the men are killed in a mining explosion, and so it's about how these women take over the town and have to fend for themselves by 
the surrounding danger of other men. Uh. So it's got real interesting themes. Jeff Daniels is the bad guy, which I don't think I've seen before. Because uh-huh. Jeff Daniels is always the nice guy. So uh, <coughs> he's the head of this gang. Uh, Jack O'Connell is in it. Michelle oh, Dockery. Love him. Yeah, really good cast. It's a great cast, yeah. Yeah, that's no, really good. Uh, I think Steven Soderbergh is a producer. Oh, so nice. it's got that kind of, you know, yeah. prestige touch to it. Mm. So let's get on with the show. Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri is the story of Mildred Hayes, played by Frances McDormand who challenges the local authorities to solve her daughter's murder by renting out the titular three billboards in Ebbing, Missouri, publicly calling out their failures. But before we let you know our thoughts on three billboards, it's time to hear from one of its stars. Ryan, do you want to introduce this one? So I was lucky enough to speak to Clark Peters, Mm -hmm. who has a supporting role as Abercrombie. A bit of a spoiler to let you know exactly why he appears, but he comes in and makes a big impact on the town. Um, Terrific performance. Yeah. As, as brief as it is, it makes a very big impact. Excellent. So this is Ryan talking to Clark Peters. So today on the Curzon Film Podcast, we welcome Mr. Clark Peters, star of Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. And today is a particularly good day to be talking about this film because just last night, Three Billboards took home four Golden Globe Awards. Yes, it did. And we've got a nomination for uh, another nomination from the SAG, Screen Actors Guild in America. Uh-huh. Um, and from what I understand, never having been here before, um, that this is probably one of those steps that people take towards the Oscars. Ah, uh, yes. You know, and could I, could, Ryan, could I just correct you on that? I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not a star in this. I, I have a supporting role. Okay. And that the, when you see the film, you'll see who the stars are. I'll leave it at that. And I'm quite happy to be in second place to these performances because they are superb. That's very modest of you to say. When you signed on to the film, mm-hmm. how many of the other cast members were, were already there and, and did that have any persuasion in, in you taking the role? Now that's a good question. Um, I knew that Woody was already attached. I knew that, um, that Francis was already attached. Um, I didn't know, uh, I didn't know Sam, um, but I didn't take, well, I guess there was an influence in that, yes. I'd worked with Woody before and I, it, was, it was good to see, it would be good to see him again. I'd, I'd never worked with Francis, but I, I knew of Francis's work. So I think if there was anyone there who I was looking forward to seeing again, it was Woody as part <laughs> of this cast. But he was not what made me want to do this. What made me want to do this was that it was a good story. Right. And the character that I was being offered, I felt I can resonate with him. You know, um, I liked the way that Martins had placed the words in my character's mouth. Um, and I felt that it was a, overall a really good comment on middle America, uh-huh. a comment on, uh, on race, class, sexism. Um, and for those reasons, you know, I, I wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to do this. You know, I, li- I like things that, as an actor, I like things that are going to inform, educate, uplift. I'm not really into like action. Let's kill that sucker and get it over and done with. Right. You know, I like things that that make people think that are going to spark a dialogue. You know, um, and that are more uplifting rather than things that are going to anesthetize you to, you know, to escape into. 
that you know, that is yet to come. You know. Completely. Um, you mentioned that it's very much a comment on class and sexism mm. and race, mm. and there's a moment at the, near the beginning of the film where we see a character reading Flannery O'Connor's A Good Man is Hard to Find mm -hmm. and it seems to set up the kind of men that we're about to meet yes. but interestingly Abercrombie seems to be the elusive good man the one who is hard to find did you feel mm. that way about him that he comes in and he's a, a new way of thinking? Um, yes and no uh, uh, Yes, on us in, in the context of the of the piece. No, because that's how America is. Right. This is what I love about about McDonough is that um, here's a an observation by from a European point of view, from an English point of view. So, and by that I mean these are his words, these are his observations, these this is his direction. This is a British film mm -hmm. about an American subject. Um, and what I liked was that he allowed me to uh, contribute um, to the perspective of black America in that, mm -hmm. you know, um, and he was receptive to that, which I really appreciate because without mentioning what it, what, what it was, um, because of a shift or some line changes, those line changes have come on back of being yes that was that was spot and even from Martin recognized that this was the right way to present this character in this environment yeah um, so were you able to help shape the I was character able, of Habakkuk yeah I was helped shape my character yeah yeah how, um, how was he pitched to you when you first read were you told what kind of role he was playing and who he was representing um, I was told what kind of role he was and and when, and actually when I when you read it it's it's pretty much easy to see right. who, who he is um, and if you're of a certain age you'll your mind will be cast back to Sidney Poitier and and Rod Steiger coming right. into uh, heat of the night um, and that's that's what he wanted yeah you know, uh, uh, but there were moments where that it just would it just would have been off for my character to use the language that he was looking for, because it would have lost the integrity of that particular of that character. Right. And also, I dare say that that um, men of color who are in that situation are um, somebody, someone's got to cover their backs. Mm. You know, saying you, someone's got to have your back in the white community. Right. You know. Um, that's just that's just the way it is. You know, you ain't no low ranges out here any longer. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I heard you describe your character as the townspeople of Ebbing's worst nightmare. As you just follow on from what you're saying. Mm. Well, I'm not too sure it's the townspeople as much as <laughs> that police station. <laughs> that police station. He's the, yeah. He is their worst nightmare. Um, Again, which is why, you know, things had to be sort of adjusted to accommodate that. Right. You know, uh, um, yes, I would imagine as well for some of the townspeople, he was there where his nightmare. Uh, but that's middle America. You know, he could have been anything other. And he could have been Chinese, he could have been uh, uh, Puerto Rican, he could have been Native American Indian, it's their land, you know, he could have yeah. been anything, but because he wasn't white, he's their worst enemy, he, he's their worst nightmare. Right. 
you know, that's what that's what that's what that's about. You know, he could have been a woman. Yeah. If, if it was a female, that would have been a really interesting dynamic had that police chief been a female. I th- I, yeah, that's a very interesting point. I mean, I just, I mean Ebbing's a fictional place. Yes. Correct? And so it's therefore very symbolic of middle America, like yes. you're saying. Mm-hmm. And in that, Abercrombie in particular seems to symbolize progress mm-hmm. and an idea of forcing people to, to think a new way. Yes. Carrying on with that idea, what do you think the billboards symbolize in this story? The billboards are, I, I don't think it's far to go, I think that it is the cry for help. Precisely what, uh, how, it's, how it's used. Um, and it's not just a cry, it's a scream yeah. for help. That's why billboards and not a little advert in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it's also the billboards represent the elephant in the room. <laughs> you know, what you don't want to talk about is right under you. How can you, how can you ignore this? Yeah. Um, and I think in that respect, it, it's, um, it's part and parcel to all the issues that um, the North American society would prefer not to look at. Yeah. They would prefer to take the road that doesn't go past the billboards. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. It seems to be about uh, an idea of being an onlooker and tolerating intolerances, not acceptable. Yes, it makes you a participant. In that's that what, that's exactly what I was saying earlier. You know, there's there's <coughs> there's some people who want to see this, uh, and that's what I was saying basically to that guy who said this is a. Uh, a um, uh, I've heard people criticize this. I, you know, that anyone who's criticizing this must be part of the problem. Ah, it's an int- okay, yeah, it's an interesting You're part of the problem. perspective, yeah. You know, um, speak up. If you don't dig it, speak up. The one thing that the 45th president has given America is the freedom to speak your mind. Mm. So now racists are speaking their mind. Hello, now you know. Now you finally know. You know, so... Uh, uh, if you're quiet or you're silent, you are, you're really part of the problem because then the problem of finding our humanity becomes clouded. But if I know that you're wearing a schwa sticker on your sleeve, right, I can sit and talk with you, right? But if you're just cat standing on the side watching us talk, I don't know where you are, mate. Yeah, you need to... You need to step up either on one side or the other because this man and I are having a dialogue and either he's going to convince me or I'm going to convince him. But at the end of this conversation, we will know where we stand and how to behave. But as far as you standing on the side looking in, he doesn't know, I don't know, so out of here. (laughs) You know? Yeah. You are the problem. You know, we can't focus. We can't focus. Nobody can focus on issues when people are complacent. So would you say that that's the message that you hope people would take away from mm. this film, that it's mm. speak up? Yes, absolutely. Speak up on all the issues that you find, because uh, I think that this is a story about humanity. Mm-hmm. I think this is a story about uh, desperate people who, who are not happy in their desperation, and through this story, find something 
called humanity inside them. How it manifests itself is different, but there is, um, but there is. Have you seen the film? I've seen it twice. Okay, so yeah. so I'm sitting at Sam's character. Yes. As weird as the ending is, he's found some humanity. Yes, there's a kind of it's working towards a sort of redemption. Yes, and, uh, you can feel yeah. that. You know, he's not that. You know, um, um, Woody's character expresses it immediately. You know, and I think that that um, Martin was very clever in casting him like that because we never think of of, of Woody as being a soft, loving-hearted man. Yeah, you don't think of him, no. you know, because because the industry has always put him a little bit on the other side. Yeah, he's you know? been an edgy. He's performer. always edgy, yeah. but here he is being extremely vulnerable. And for those theatergoers who know that face, to see that are moved by his humanity. Very clever, very clever. I agree, and I think there's something I want to ask you about as well with this idea of speaking up and. It seems to me that all, a lot of the characters, mm -hmm. particularly Woody Harrelson's character, Francis McDormand's character, and your character, mm -hmm. have to be tough outwardly. But mm -hmm. we always we see each of them display compassion at other moments. Yes, yes. So yeah. I guess that, that feels like the message of the film is to be bold and to be loud and don't be afraid to be to upset people and be offensive. Yes, yes. I think uh, um, I think it's. Listen. I think it's about listening. Mm. I think it's about listening. And ways to make people listen. Yes. You know, um, it's, we all have some cross to bear, but if there's nobody observing you or knows what your cross is, that's, what, that's why you're carrying it, because you want someone to see. You, know, you want someone to hear you. And if they're not hearing you, then things just continue as they are. Hence the, uh, the previous conversation we were having here. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that, um, yeah, I think this is about listening um, more than being brash and, and loud about right. the issues, right? Um, but at the same time, it, it's like, don't, don't, don't shy away from it. Don't shy away from the issues. You know, get it out there. Um, be succinct. Yeah. Say it. Hit it and quit it, as James Brown used to say. <laughs> Hit it and quit it. It seems as well like there's a suggestion about collaboration. We've talked about the it, the way that the film deals with, with race, mm -hmm. but it also deals with sexism. The story revolves around a case of sexual violence. Yes, it, it deals much more with sexism than it ever does about race at all. And, ultimately, and really, it's a woman's story. It's about Mildred's yes. story to get justice. Yes. But she needs to work with other people who are facing injustice in order mm -hmm. to get that. Yes. Well, what you find is that, is that the underclass doesn't care whether you're black, white, male, or female, um, as long as you're not rich. And <laughs> you know, yeah. That's the underclass. You know, and what this, uh, I guess if, if you, you, know, you could probably stretch to that, that um, if the voice of the underclasses are heard, then there might be some change. Yet, what we are not broadcasting is that you should hop into a van and go to Ohio and take care <laughs> take care of the message. Vigilante you just know, you know, it, it ain't about that. <laughs> you know, um, no, it's not about that. 
Okay. The last thing I want to ask you, mm -hmm. if you have, you have a billboard, mm -hmm. what would you put on your billboard? What do you think is the thing that we need to shout about right now? There aren't enough billboards, brother. Aren't enough billboards? There aren't enough billboards. You know, I've, I've got issues, you know. I've got issues that go from medicine and science to food and ecology to parenting to race to sexism to ageism. You know, there's just too many issues um, that I see that I would love to shout about, but where does one begin, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I guess... I know what I would say. I would say sit in silence and listen to your heart. Sit in silence, the deepest silence and stillness that you could find and listen to your heart. That's what I mean. Yeah. Sit in silence and listen to your heart. Yeah. yeah. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, that would be it. The middle one would be just big letters, silence. <laughs> Okay, so that was Clark Peters there. Did you talk about his role in Notting Hill at all? <laughs> I resisted <laughs> the urge to uh, sit there and say I really like the bits in Missouri. <laughs> uh, but I didn't go there, no, I didn't. Uh, but I watched Notting Hill over Christmas. So did I for the first time. What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Samuel? I know, only oh, for the boy. first time. And, uh, the, the scene where he where Hugh Grant so if you haven't seen it Hugh Grant has to fake being a journalist to get <laughs> yeah. to Julia Roberts and is accidentally what was the magazine he's part of? It's Hound and Home or something Hound and yeah. Home or something <laughs> yeah. and he has to interview this actor played by Clark Peters and he knows nothing about the film <laughs> yeah. he's just blagging it as he goes along so which good. is kind of what we do every week but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh, Three Billboards then Martin McDonough's third feature film and Ming Kelly was speaking before this that we think this might be his most mature film unless she and that that's not making it sound boring but no robust may, maybe yeah emotionally I mean, robust yeah i think so it's certainly the most accomplished it's mm. a bigger cast it's yeah yeah got more layers yeah got more movement yeah yeah and it owes more on the side of tragedy than i think it does comedy mm. Well, so at the Golden Globes it won best motion picture drama and the Golden Globes have this weird thing of dividing comedy mm. and drama and I think doing that to a film like Three Billboards is a strange, is a quite a hard task because Definitely. the film does flip back and forth, I think, between comedy and drama. Mm. Uh, yeah. it, I mean, that's not just scene by scene, that's within a scene. It will, each line could be, one could be comedic, one could be yeah. really heartbreaking. Yeah. So I think that's quite a, he walks quite a tightrope. Yeah. Um, yeah, he does. Yeah. At times it's kind of jarring when, it, yeah. when the tone changes so mm. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Abruptly, but I think that he manages it every single time. And every time I was kind of, I was like, what? oh, oh, this is a joke after that? Yeah. Yeah. But I went along with it every time. Yeah. It was, it jolted you and it, it, it made you sit up in your seat, but yeah. it wasn't ruining a tone. It wasn't yeah. like ham-fisted or anything like that yeah it was more to make you think i think yeah about and also the way that we all kind of process grief and mm -hmm. and strife i think yeah. it's a human thing you yeah. know you can't it's not all tragedy it's not um people are yeah you know humor is a way of dealing with things as absolutely well. and in a, in a very different way last year's um manchester by the sea oh. i think had a similar thing where it's a film about grief but it's finding the humor yeah. in that like that sort of awkward humor that kind of dark humor yeah I, yeah, mean, I mean, in a very different very way, different of course, way, but yeah. there's still that thing of yeah. humour in tragedy. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. I think I mean, Manchester by the Sea is an interesting one. I think it was always talked about as being a hard, heavy watch, yeah. but I found it really funny. Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. It definitely had moments where... Yeah. Which in the right places, which, exa yeah. Exactly, exactly. Which made it e even more, you know, um, engaging, I yeah. think. Yeah, this I mean, this is quite a mixture of a melodrama, as you've mentioned, yeah. sort of melancholy, but then also a lot of quirkiness as well. Mm. Um, and in that sense, it almost has a kind of Coen Brothers vibe, doesn't it? It's almost yeah, Coen I think he reaches for that, definitely. <laughs> I think he's definitely influenced heavily by the Coen Brothers. I think what he does well, and we were speaking about this a little bit earlier, is that, uh, you know, these, these people sort of, specifically Sam Rockwell's character, mm. uh, what's his name Dixon Dixon yeah um you know and even McDormand's character uh, Mildred um and Woody Harrelson's the uh, chief yeah. Willoughby um they all kind of begin as caricatures yeah you know in in your mind and, and that's where the co I mean the first 10 minutes of that film was hilarious you yeah. know she wa <laughs> it's so funny yeah um and they begin sort of as these character caricatures that you're sort yeah. of introduced to this town and you're sort of going oh well, well, you know what's going on what happened and then as the film progresses so their kind of complexities as humans come out and we yeah. delve more into that which makes the story interesting so i think one of the main talking points of the mm -hmm. film is Frances mcdormand yeah so she won best actress at the golden globes we think she's pr probably the favorite at the oscars at this stage yeah um, so, i reckon yeah. Yeah. yeah so he wrote it with her in mind mm -hmm. and it's it's one of those performances it sounds a bit cliche now but i really can't imagine anyone else yeah 100 yeah it's I, sometimes i imagine it as what happened to Marge Gunderson? Marge Gunderson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. Grown up. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, actually, yeah. Because she always has that on hardened the other side edge. Of the law. And that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That uh, complete independence of spirit. Mm. And yeah, she, she seems like a, pro a progression of yeah. that in a way. Which yeah, kind again, of. Again, references back to this Cohen feeling. Yes, that it has. yes. Definitely. I think she does an incredible job of playing a mother you know, going through this terrible, terrible grief, yeah. but not, you know, over-sentimentalizing it yeah. or, um, you know, it's not the sort of cliched, yeah. uh, you know, themes that, that a lot of these, you know, characters might have going through something yeah. like this. I think she takes a very, very different stance. Um, her, you know, she has a stoicism about her. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, myself included, kind of thought, oh, McDormand's main role in her lifetime will be Fargo. That's one she'll be remembered yeah. by. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, uh, not anymore. Like at this, you know, the, perhaps the later stage of her career now, she's done something equally, perhaps even more iconic. Yeah. And created a character that I think will be remembered like yeah. many years oh, to come. Oh, definitely. And she's even 
she has like a co- the costume, the uh, sort of yeah, the blue the overalls, overalls and the uh, the and bandana. The bandana mm. yeah. I mean, that's kind of in in itself has become an iconic image of the yeah. film. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, we were saying earlier that um, yeah. the influence. I don't know if you knew this, but I, I listened to a podcast with him uh, with McDonough. There are other podcasts. There, yes, <laughs> <laughs> this has been spoken about this film. Um, you know, and they were talking about. Um, the influence for you know her where her, she kind of got a, a elements of her character um and a big influencer actually interestingly was in the early stages john wayne oh, right. um, with this sort of western mm. st- you know this typical lone gunman stoicism yeah. that the that a male character in a west in a western or spaghetti western would have um and the bandana comes from uh, is a, is a is a homage to um a walkins character in the deer hunter it's quite interesting that she's pulling from these like iconic male yeah, characters like yeah hyper masculine yeah. sort of and in a man's world you know what McDonough calls it um, her war uniform, mm. you know, that she wears. She, she dons this this uniform so that she doesn't have to think about what she's wearing or how she looks. Yeah. It's like she's going to she war when she wears yeah. this. Yeah. yeah, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, she's she's going out and making a, a really fairly peaceful protest to begin with anyway. Yeah. yeah. She's got these billboards that yeah. are like speaking truth to power. Mm-hmm. And they're like some placard that you're mm. at a march with, but mm. they happen yeah. to be planted in the ground and 20 foot high. Exactly. Yeah. But she's sticking it to the man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which takes huge bravery as well. Yeah. You know, like she sticks it to a lot of men. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Sometimes quite literally in the scene. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. Um, the dentist. Yeah. But there's also this thing with her that she is just a, com- a kind of a rage monster in the film. She's just complete you know she's a, a woman on a mission and there's nothing going to stop not, there's nothing in her way mm. and she even she has a son she has a child still alive but I mean yeah. it almost feels like her relationship with him comes at a cost of her this mission that she set herself yeah he's fairly frustrated at yeah. mm. everything she's doing mm. as a teenager would be embarrassed yeah. Yeah. about a parent but it's interesting the film doesn't judge her for that no. no you know I think that in a cliched stereotypical way you know what, what is a mother what, you know, what yeah. is her role um, what is a mother what is a mother going through grief mm-hmm. whereas I think she kind of she's on her own firstly you know she's a single mother yeah <laughs> her kid is old enough i guess to like yeah. sort of mm. deal with his own and she's like i've got a mission and i'm going to do this and nothing's going to stop me even though her role of as a mother is at the center of her of her escapade yeah it it has a real sense of it being a, a woman's mission mm. specifically against mm. all of the useless men that are in this town yeah we mentioned this in the interview with clark peters that we've just been heard but the film in the early scenes you see a character reading flannery o'connor's a good man is hard to find Mm. which seems to set up this idea of we're gonna you know there are not a lot of good men in this town yeah you've got a chief of police who's tolerating a racist deputy you've got that racist deputy you've got a chief of police who's also not seeking justice sufficiently for a crime against a young woman Mm. you've got an ex-husband to, to Mildred, who is an abusive husband. Yeah. Mm. And it's just, you know, it's just one woman against everything else, yeah. against the patriarchy. Yeah, basically. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I read a, um, an interesting line in the, in the New York Times review of the film, um, and I think it said something like, um, you know, uh, McDonald's films are, are <laughs> what is it, a spectacle of men behaving terribly, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. generally. Yeah. And she kind of is the sole... She is, she's the through line that carries the film 
on mm. its on its journey. Even though she as a character doesn't change that much. Interestingly, yeah. Yeah. this film sort of doesn't follow the typical structures of a screenplay, you know, because um yeah. something pertinent happens around about the middle of the movie that we're not going to spoil, but that kind of throws everything. Yeah. You think it's going one way and then it's like, "Oh, no, actually it's not." And uh the the film structure sort of meanders a little bit yeah. sort of goes but she's the one thing that 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 pulls it together yeah. and the other characters are sort of well Sam Rockwell's character is the one that I think changes the most we were speaking yeah. about this earlier throughout the film but in this world of men behaving terribly and having mm. you know yeah. <laughs> kind of being caricatures of certain stereotypes or whatever it might be even though they are humanized she's the one you know solid thing that runs through the yeah. film that you following yeah you know that grounds you as an audience i think as well and you're with her yeah totally almost the entire yeah. time yeah <laughs> even she does some she has yeah exactly in pursuit yeah. of of the right thing but um she's not as uh, she's not as flawed as the other characters i don't know no but there, there's some she has a couple of really real like acidly delivered lines but yeah, I mean, in general, I mean, this is a film we need right now, right? With a, a strong female protagonist uncovering the truth about a sexual assault and calling mm. out idol onlookers. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Well, calling out, I think, is the main yeah. thing. Is that, you know, it's enough of this sort of um, blind yeah. ignorance that people kind of turn, sure. yeah. turn it, you know, they don't want to engage with, they don't want to, because it's easier. And yeah. it's so many years in the making that it's yeah. just yeah. happened and happened and happened. And it's eventually someone is so enraged that, you know, yeah. it's enough. Enough is enough. Yeah. Really. Um, so let's talk about the rest of the town then, the okay. rest of Ebbing. Yeah, we've mentioned the police quite a lot and they are an integral part to the film. Yeah. Uh, so you have Woody Harrelson as Chief Willoughby and then Sam Rockwell as um, Lieutenant Dixon. We'll start with Woody Harrelson because I guess that's the easier character to, dis- <laughs> to discuss. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah he, he's quite... A sympathetic character, really, and even though he's, as you mentioned, he's he's done a wrong in a way, in the way that he's, you know, overlooked certain things and put his trust in mm. officers who perhaps shouldn't have that much power. But he is seen as a an overall a nice guy. Yeah, he's someone who's he makes it very clear, or his his defense is that he's trying to do his yeah. best. Yeah, but is he? His, is, he, <laughs> is, he and is his best good enough? Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I think we had a, uh, an interesting discussion beforehand. I mean, we're just bringing up all these <laughs> yeah. points. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it goes to uh, Officer Dixon's character as well. You know, mm-hmm. like, they start off one way, you think they're one way, you know. Mm-hmm. Harrison's yeah. character's the good guy, Rockwell's character's the bad guy, and sort of as the film progresses you find out like you he does probe it he probes their characters you know is the good guy really the good guy is he doing enough you know should we be give, letting him off the hook because yeah. you do follow him you do you do sympathize with him you know he's the yeah. one character that you you kind of and his voice carries interestingly carries yeah. you through the whole film it's her story but his voice carries mm. you maybe he did that on purpose because you know you do do have an affiliation with it. you do kind of you recognize him he's the most relatable character um, and so maybe you needed that in juxtaposition to her sort of hardness because you know and they spoke about this that they didn't want to make her a lovable character she isn't a lovable character yeah she doesn't want to be related to she she just wants justice she doesn't mm. care how she looks yeah. or what happens to her in mm. the process of her, you know, this pursuit of justice. Um, and so I think his voice lends that sort of, it gives you the window to yeah. access 
her story. Um, but, you know, again, it's questionable. Is he a good guy? Did he do enough? You know, mm-hmm. are the choices that he makes in the film the right ones? Mm. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. Thing, and then yeah. similarly, Rockhall's character, you know, I mean, it's a difficult one to, <laughs> to talk about because it's slightly problematic. But, uh, you know, he does start off one way as a racist, you know, police officer, and he becomes more and more humanized as the film progresses. There's definitely elements of, of yeah. his character that changes that yeah. you can sort of... Definitely. I think you made a good point a moment ago when you said no one's really good or bad. Yeah. And if we do force is this person good, is this yeah. person bad, onto each character. Mm. Sam Rockwell's Dixon, definitely a very uncomfortable character. If yeah. we're trying to say, is he good now? But we've been told mm. throughout the yeah. film that no one's all good or all bad. Yes. So he's still not good or bad. Yeah, exactly. Despite yeah. I think, I think, re- 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 I don't know about redeemable. <laughs> yeah. But there are re- redeeming qualities yeah. that he possesses well, I think like, yeah. this is the reaction McDonough wants from Dixon right he wants yeah. people to feel uncomfortable liking him mm. um, yeah. he is you know for all intents and purposes a sympathetic racist which is a a weird phrase to say out loud yeah. but that's that's the character he's created and he wants you to to sit in your seat at the cinema thinking oh I like this guy and they think oh no I shouldn't but yeah that's yeah. that's what makes this film so, so interesting and so great to talk about and yeah. so different from anything else we'll see because it's not probing you know often films will probe you and say you don't like this person you like that person you want this person to yeah, win and this spoon person feed to be punished you. Yeah. yeah exactly this film wants you to leave the cinema and think oh, I've no idea how to feel about that character yeah, yeah. But, but that's how you in real life yeah. that's true yeah. Yeah. I mean exactly. spending a certain amount of time with people it changes day to day basis what you think of them and mm-hmm. so I think this film is delicately tries to do that but um and sam rockwell is uh pretty phenomenal in this film as well mm. um very few Just actors i think could actor. pull off that character yeah and make him sympathetic in the way that he is yeah you made a good point earlier where you like he's definitely a coen brothers like he they definitely should cast him in some yeah. at some point because he's phenomenal he really is phenomenal yeah and underrated like totally underrated yeah he Just is flown yeah. under the radar yeah he's definitely a a Coen Brothers yeah. dummy, a, yeah. dum- a dummy in power. Exactly. Yeah. So then, I really liked this thing about the rest of the town, how they react to the murder. Because often, so I'm thinking of things like Twin Peaks and the killing uh. in Broadchurch, where uh. you have a, a, a child is murdered in a small town, and that sort of effect ripples throughout the town, and everyone's lives are changed because of that. This seems to be like the anti version of that, where. The town, the rest of the town has moved on. Because uh, it's seven, is it seven months yeah. later? So well, the rest of the town on it, yeah. has moved on and they've, they've recovered, but Mildred hasn't yet. Mm. And I think there's this kind of anger in her that other people could move on from this horrific event. So yeah. why can't I? Or why do they get to move on and I'm not allowed to? So the billboards are a reminder that well, it's we shouldn't be the same again after what's happened, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. it's like a comment on the press cycle, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, mm. exactly. And we've already sort of not directly mentioned it but the whole me too campaign is mm-hmm. an idea mm. of keeping we don't want to let what happened in october yeah just be, be what pushed happened. out yeah. fizzled the out news cycle yeah and forgotten about yeah and she's going you know she even says i think you've got to keep it on yeah. people's minds or something yes like yes exactly yeah. exactly yeah it's her it's her actions that sets yeah like it shouldn't be but it's her it's her bringing it back that yeah. sets the ripples that disrupts the town that the murder should have in the first place. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Okay, and um, the music as well in the film. So that's oh, done yeah. by Carter Burwell, who yes. uh, 
mention the Coens again, yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. he is their chief composer. Burwell's take on the music, you know, when uh, McDonough first heard it, it was very uh, spaghetti western mm-hmm. type of, you know, Mildred's theme is very much in that western sort of la- like a area, which is interesting because of how, you know, uh, Frances McDormand was composing her character even mm. before, you know, any of this stuff. So it kind of was in serendipitously in line with what she was going, you know, the John Wayne, the yeah. lone gunman, the, you know, woman on a mission. Right. <clears throat> and I think, uh, I think the music, Mark McDonough said, you know, he, he doesn't like to do things that's expected. He loves to go against the grain. And I think the music here, you know, with uh, Burwell's composition is, is definitely, you know, in a sad moment, he doesn't play the sad the sad tune you know it, yeah. he, it's got it's got elements that makes you it's juxtaposition that makes you think you know yeah um and so i think that is a running theme and mildred's theme which has been described as a, her war theme you know it's <laughs> yeah. like there's moments where it's really strong yeah you know in, uh, and moments that it's quite soft and i think it uh has that ability to ebb and flow ebbing yeah. Airbing, <laughs> it's interesting that you've watched in Bruges. Um, yeah, recently. Yeah, because yeah, I think there's a kind of across all three of McDonough's films, there's mm. this idea of violence being everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And particularly in here, you know, it's um, like the consequences of violence and then the pursuit of violence to like, encounter that violence. There's a kind of yeah, a, or a counteract. Vicious, yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a cycle of violence that seems never ending. Yeah. And it's even in. You know, there's there's Dixon's reputation. There's the, the the murder of her daughter. There's even stuff like Willoughby. He he says a line about um, wanting to punch Dixon's mum's teeth in. He just oh, it just it's just a kind of casual. Uh, yeah. It's just very casually mentioned. I just thought this town is obsessed with violence. And yeah. Violence is everywhere in this town. And yeah. Franz McDormand's character is an incredibly violent person. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, she kicks uh, yeah. two teenagers <laughs> in, in the groin because they yeah. throw a can out <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, her own, Mildred's own mission for justice eventually becomes a pursuit of violence and vengeance. Yeah. So, and the similar way that, yeah, it? in Bruges and Seven Psychopaths are about yeah. these sort of violent turns people take in their life. Yeah. It's interesting that both in Bruges and, and Three Billboards, uh, the, the inciting incident is the death of a child, mm. you know, the death of innocence. Mm. And I think, you know, whether it's con- oh, definitely conscious, but also subconsciously, you mm. know, maybe McDonough's playing with these, you know, the death of innocence yeah. and the rise of violence, you know, and what does it say about society and yeah. the people and how we connect with each other, which is very... Um, it's interesting that um, Mildred's character as a woman inhabits that, that, that realm, you know, she... She lives within that. That's the only way that her character can exist. Yeah. Um, and that is in itself an interesting juxtaposition, I think. Mm-hmm. Although all the violence can, happens, and you know, and it's, there's still uh, an inherent humanity mm. in everyone that exists. That is the is the redeeming thing about his films. Is that that is there, and that's. Yeah, you, you mentioned the war theme mm. and how it takes different turns, and it can mm. be quite brash mm. and aggressive, and mm. at other times it can be really. Well, softer. Yes. And Mildred is exactly like that. Yeah. There's times when she has to be extremely tough. Exactly. And uncompromising. And then there are little moments when you just see the compassion underneath that is always there, but it's a it's a yeah. performance of, of toughness. Exactly. Well, she, well, well she, yeah, it's well, the only way that she can engage with these yeah. men, you know. That's mm. the only language that they know how to speak, I think. Yeah. 
may, I mean, I'm passing judgment on her, so I don't know. But I'm just, <laughs> he's amusing about yeah. maybe how she's thought about, you know. Uh, and also, you know, her past with her with her abusive husband, you know, mm, it's like know. it's her pursuit of justice is not only for her daughter. I think I think it's also for the way in which women are treated in general yeah. in ebbing the small town in society and at large, you know, and it's a it's a it's a, a lashing out against that. Well, the decision to set it in a fictional town, yeah. having not being real, is <clears throat> makes it very difficult not to. Re- well, how can you not read this film as like metaphorical or, yeah or like exactly or yeah. speaking to a, a bigger idea about what martin mcdonough thinks is going on in america yeah exactly and it is very american i don't think it's yeah. necessarily a comment on what's going on in no. the west no it's no it's american about yeah. america isn't it it's which true. is interesting from a irish english yeah, yeah. and writer. also interesting that he wrote this script like six or eight years ago eight years ago. yeah yeah it's been it's been in the making for ages i think it's the, the right time as we said you know it's serendipitous you know that yeah. this that this movie is coming out at this time it has a comment to say on you know america america as politically socially also hollywood as a microcosm of what's happening mm. at you know society yeah. at large um i mean this it's definitely a f- fortuitous timing that this film is coming out well, uh, what did you think of uh, Three Billboards Outside of Missouri? Whether you agree or disagree, you can tweet us at Curzon Cinemas with the hashtag Curzon Podcast or email us podcast at Curzon.com and we'll read out your mini review on next week's show. Uh, but if you feel like staying at home this weekend, there's plenty to see on Curzon Home Cinema. The new film of the week is Jupiter's Moon, which is now available to watch. And as of Monday, the 15th of January, you can watch tennis biopic Borg vs. McEnroe, which will be available to watch on Home Cinema. And if you search for our back catalogue, uh, you can find out what we made of Borg vs. McEnroe, as well as hear our interview with the great Stellan Skarsgård. If you've enjoyed the show, we're available on iTunes and SoundCloud, where you can rate and review us, which we would appreciate a lot. So until next week, it's goodbye from Ryan. Goodbye. Goodbye from Kelly. Goodbye. And farewell from me. Thank you for listening.